Hi, it's the very innocent Harvey Weinstein. As you might know, I'm in prison now, and my favorite podcast to listen to is the Midnight Movie Cowboys podcast. Myself and the blacks love the humor and the conversations. It makes the time fly by in here. Funny story, when I came into prison, I tried to join the skinheads, but the Jew thing made them reject me. So I had no choice but to join the blacks, but being non-black, I would have to suck all of them off. But then I told them I produced Don't Be a Menace to South Central while drinking your juice in the hood. And now I'm the king of the blacks. Now we pretend anyone listening to the projection booth is Rose McGowan, if you know what I mean. Hunter, John, and Stuart keep pumping out episodes. Everyone here in Cell Block 12 loves you. The Midnight Movie Cowboys, sometimes informative, sometimes controversial, but always unpredictable, it's the Midnight Movie Cowboys Podcast, with your hosts, Hunter, John, and Stu. And now, on with the show. Hello everybody, welcome to the Midnight Movie Cowboys for this week, episode two for this year. So we've done pretty good considering the last few months of last year were, well, not good. So, um, yeah, got myself Stuart here. So when you're hearing my voice, there's obviously no Hunter, and you would be correct. He's uh, not available this one. A bit under the weather from what we hear. So um, speedy recovery to all. And, um, yeah, so second episode, but still not one with all three of us. But there is three of us here today. So going around the uh, globe here. Over in Denver, Colorado, we've got Mr. John Grace. Yeah. You're not feeling too well. You're not feeling too good yourself, you reckon? Yeah, a little bit of a congestion. Uh, Possibly the start of something bad or maybe just uh, something I'll shake off in a day or two. Or it could be your winter over there because it's summer over here. Man, it is hot as fuck lately. Yeah, we got slammed with snow yesterday, which is actually not super common for Denver, Colorado, believe it or not. We got slammed with heat yesterday. You got to... 38 and a bit, which I think is 104 or something for you boys. So it was a pretty wild one. But uh, in mind. Anyway, uh, also the third one joining us today. <laughs> Here you going, Carol? <laughs> yes, from sunny Florida. <laughs> no, when, when, when are you moving back to Boston? <laughs> Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> Why would so I? It, in all seriousness, never gone back to Boston. No desire. I mean, I might go back and vivid, you know, but. I don't mean to uh, live. But no, 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 never, never going back to live. <laughs> Boston um, lost it. It's lost its favorite son. Listen, the thing you got to understand is in the political climate we are in now, if you're a Republican and you do not live in a Republican state, you are going to get fucked in the long run. So that's oh, why. Okay. Yeah, you, you it's you really got to pick where you're living for for the future. This is true. Like like and they, there was like something on CNN, and this is weird that CNN said it. They were talking about the uh, 
the um the you, you hear about in New York some uh illegals like jumped a cop and beat him yes. up and they got arrested yeah. and and they're part of like a big crime crew and what they do here what they do is they go into New York and they do all their crime there and then they come down to Florida to spend all their ill-gotten gains and they were interviewed and they said why don't you go and steal in Florida and they're like because we'll get arrested there <laughs> Yeah, I heard they actually were fleeing to uh, California after New York. Hey, you can do that shit there too. Yeah, just don't do it. In, don't do it in my backyard. Yep. You don't know, do it back. DeSantis's backyard, man, you get fucking ruined. You gotta. The one thing you got. The the one thing you got to do is you got to really. You, when if you're moving from now on, you got to move to where your political leanings lie. And if you got to move to, if you're a Republican red state, if you're a dumb and you're uh, a Democrat, you want to move to a blue state. So, so anyway, we'll get into this conversation shortly. So, what we're doing this episode is it's all killer, no, all filler, no killer. No, episode four or five, whatever it is, I don't know. Uh, we had nothing planned for film talk. That'll be the next one. This one, we just wanted to just free form, and you guys like the discussions we have anyway. So, um, that's what this episode is. But anyway, getting back to Garrow, what if your state should eventually turn blue? I've already looked into that. And uh, Alabama seems really good. You can get a lot of land and a nice house for little money. Okay. Yeah, like I was looking at some stuff around there. Because, you know, who knows what's going to happen in the future? You don't know. Mm. Um, and I'm telling you, I looked around and Alabama looks like it, it might it could be the one to move to. So you're going to join Lennon Skinner when you move there, are you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> I got the long just hair and everything, so. <laughs> just don't take any flights, please. Yeah, I'll drive there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, John's Good. in a conundrum because he lives in a, bl- a blue state now. Because Colorado's pretty much blue now, right? Isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a blue state. Yeah. You sure it's it used not to green, be red. man. It used to be kids green now. <laughs> not blue or red. It's all green, but we're, we're, we'll see because in the next election, it's if everything's fair, Trump is going to dominate. Like probably since you haven't seen since Reagan's second uh, election, the eighty-four that's, one, yeah, the yeah Reagan in eighty-four. That it's going to that's how it's going to be. But if they're Democrats; they love to cheat, so we don't know how many you know because they love stuffing the ballots. Um, you know, so, uh, we'll see what, what happens. Uh, but if everything's on the up and up, it, it'll be, the, the Democrats are getting decimated. Okay. One question I've got is with the last election, and this might be a political talk for two hours or whatever. It's just, this, I've got to ask you, so with the last election, do you think Trump and his team have learned what to do? Oh yeah. Uh, they, with all, yeah. The, with all, with all the, the late mail-ins or whatever it was that was coming through. Hell well, about that. Well, what they what was happening is they were the Democrats were sending people to go ballot harvesting, and in, in, in some states, a lot of the uh, the uh, in the hold on in the cabinet downstairs of where above where the cat food is, it's a, above there. Sorry. <laughs> um, right. It, okay. What was I talking about? <laughs> The ballots. Yeah, the ballot harvesting. So 
they the Democrats were compl- I mean the Republicans were completely unaware of all this ballot harvesting that was going on uh, in the uh, in the thro- in the toss up states. Um, so and that's just where and Democrats don't like to clean up voter rolls. So you know, so a lot of uh, ballots get sent out and ballot harvesters capture all those ballots and make sure all of them vote Democrat. So Republicans are now going to, in those battleground states, are going to be doing that too now. You know, going to old folks' homes and, you know, doing all the shit that the Democrats are doing. So it's just, they got to have a better ground game than the Democrats have. Mm-hmm. But how do they stop it? By doing it better. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Don't allow themselves to get kicked out of the, uh, the uh, you know the the voting centers at yep. 10 p.m. at night and <laughs> not allowed back in until 5 a.m. I mean, the way we do elections, it should be a paper ballot, and that's it. Yeah, but, I agree. You know, but and then but the, the Democrats don't like that. You yeah. know, every place place that has a paper ballot seems to. Uh, the, the the elections seem to reflect the mood of the country more or the state or something like that. Anytime you throw in electronic voting and all that and voter ID, like here in Florida, you have to have an ID to vote. Not okay? here. Not here. They fucked it right up and said, oh, well, uh, well, you could be a vagrant. It doesn't matter. Just vote. Fuck that. Because last year during the midterm elections, I tried to go vote, but I only got my Florida license like a week before uh, the election. So mm-hmm. I wasn't yet eligible to, to vote and they turned me away. That's how it should be. Mm-hmm. In all honesty. Yeah, it should be as, as strict as that because here uh, it's a it's basically a free for all. I mean, I know there'd be people on the last state election in 2020. Two, November 2022, that were going in doing multiple votes for the left. I mean, I know it. I'm not a fool. You know, you got these diehard fucking idiots out there who just going in. So, oh yeah, I'm John Smith. Oh, I haven't voted. Oh yeah, my name's uh, uh, John Smith Jr. I haven't voted. It's just you know, just crap. And you know, they get um, and because go, well, they're vagrants. They got no home. You can't deny them the right to vote. Well, you're still you're still registered on the fucking roll on the electoral roll, whether you live in a home or you do not. Your name is still. All you gotta do is say, "My name is this." They're not gonna ask you, "Do you live in a house? Do you live in a two story house? Do you live in a four bedroom?" They, they don't ask that. They ask, "What's your name?" Um, they don't even ask for ID. That's the one thing I wish they would do here. Ask for ID. Basically, but you got to be eighteen to vote here, and it's compulsory. So that's different to the US, where it's you know, strictly up to the, the choice of the individual. So they should have an ID. Everyone's got an ID by 18 of some sort. Even if you don't have a driver's license, you, you can get an ID of some sort. Democrats are so racist here, they don't think black people can get IDs. They're too dumb, <laughs> they think. That's what they think. Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. It's exactly. Ah, oh, boy. Back when Ronan Rowe had a Facebook page, there was a big argument between a couple of guys about ids and okay and there was just every excuse in the world for why one one guy's mom didn't have an id it was crazy it's crazy 
Yeah, but here in 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 Florida, they with the Ron DeSantis, they, they implemented uh, having an ID. And if you notice in the last midterm election, Florida went deep, deep red, and that's because the it, the Democrats weren't allowed to cheat. There is one thing about DeSantis you got right, where you said he shouldn't run this time. Nope, wait till have. next time. He shouldn't have. You'll. So I saw that he pulled out. Of the race said, yeah, Garrow was right. He shouldn't have run this time. He should have just waited. They don't understand how big Trump is. Trump isn't just a man. He is a movement, you know? So you can't mm. just replace a movement, you know? Every the, the huge amount of real Republicans, not the fucking sellout neocons, are 100% behind Trump because they want, we all want him to get his revenge. That's what we want, you know? So mm. there, there was no way anyone was going to beat Trump. Anyone who threw their head in the ring, had in the ring, the only one, the only one who was smart with it was uh, Vivek Ramaswamy because he went in there, he never badmouthed Trump, he always mm. supported Trump. And uh, and and no one knew who he was before the 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 um, you know primary. And now yeah. everyone knows who he is. And now he's teamed up with Trump. And now he has a good political future, unlike Ron DeSantis. R running mate, you reckon? He, I'm hearing he, there's four people that that are in contention for running mate: Vivek Ramaswamy, Tucker Carlson, uh, Christine Nome. And Tulsi Gabbard. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know three of those names. I don't know that gnome. Yeah, I think it'll like be a... Christy Gnome. You think it'll be Christy Gnome? Yeah, yeah, I, I suspect. It's always smart to get a governor mm -hmm. to to run as the VP, so I, I think that's what they'll do. Wasn't that yep. Gabbard a former liberal? Yeah, she's a former Democrat. Yeah, I, I would be steering clear. There's just she's actually that risk. she's actually uh, been pretty damn good the past like what is it four years four or five years she's been like she used to be hard on guns now she's not anymore she mm. she changed her mind and all that and she's like really has been attacking the Democrats for like years now so I think uh, I, I I don't think she, I don't think she's a wolf in disguise I think she's just uh, another Democrat who's become disgusted by our party. She might get a cabinet gig, I think. Yeah. I think a cabinet gig would, would be good. The same with Ramaswamy. There's already talk he'd be like a UN ambassador or something, so which he'd be good for. Or a or, uh, press secretary. Yeah, yeah, anything like that. Like, yeah. He knows how to deal with the media. Like I've yeah. never seen any. It's very rare you see somebody who knows how to deal with the media that way, with mm -hmm. that type of confidence. So that would be a good shot for him. Well, his uh, Indian counterpart over the pond there in uh, Great Britain, uh, Rishi Sunak, from what I'm hearing from Nez, he's, he's, a, numb, he's a dead man walking. Basically. Well, yeah, when Nez, I consider gospel because he always predicts these things. Like I know. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's, he's, he has just, not done us wrong with his predictions. Uh, moving on from politics, got another thing I want to bring up. What about that Vince McMahon, huh? <laughs> oh, Lord. Shit. Not surprising. Are you surprised it took this long? Yeah, I kind of am. I would have thought me too would have would have had a lot of stuff. But stuff did come out like a year ago or so, and then he defiantly appeared on Raw when everybody thought he'd been dismissed. His ego just can't let go. He oh, not at all. He, 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 actually, 
he has the uh, laser craze boss attitude towards things, which I don't <laughs> think really works at his level where he is in the business world. So it's uh, there's a, the arrogance did him in. Okay, well, tell me about laser craze boss. How bad was he? Well, laser craze boss will tell you that the point in life is to crush your enemies because he gets all his philosophy from Conan the Barbarian. <laughs> 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 the movie, not the Howard pulp stories, but um, he's he's like he he was telling me one time he's like John, the point in life is to crush your enemies, it's to hear their very their last breath as you crush them, and he's sitting there making a claw with his hand and smoking a cigarette and drinking like a super strong death brew of Maxwell House, you know. Do you know how many? Do you know how many Godzilla dealers I've left in a bloody in my bloody wake? A lot. <laughs> They fear me at G Fest. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Now you got who took the, the ride with him to one of the cons? Garrow was both you. Did. We both, both did. did. Yeah. I've done more than John did, but I've done. He, John's done it too. Yeah, yeah. And what did that involve? A lot of Led Zeppelin in the car, was it? No, it was no. Kid Rock. Kid Rock, yeah. Oh. Kid Rock. <laughs> oh man! In fact, we played one of Garrow's uh, Cool Keith CDs, and then. Uh, Laser Craze boss is like, let's put Kid Rock back on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he wasn't a big Cool Keith fan, unfortunately. No, no, he didn't like the rap music. No. It's a movie, it's music for illiterate. <laughs> <laughs> but what was he like as a boss to work for? Um, I don't know. It's just kind of, it was one of those jobs where it's just like, Okay, this is what you got to do. You got to do this by three o'clock, and go pick up the check from the owner, and that's it. It's really, and make sure you pack all this stuff. So he was okay. Garrow, I never worked for him. Yeah, you never worked for him. I thought you did. No, mm-hmm. I thought you both worked at the store together, the laser laser disc store. I know I no? never worked at the laser disc store. No, oh. Garrow worked at the poster shop. Yeah. Oh, the poster shop. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, I never, I never worked. I mean, me, me and him did conventions together, but we were both our own bosses. Oh, that's interesting. I thought you worked at the store with with um uh, with John. No, I used to, you know, come in there a lot, you know, to hang out. But yeah, yeah, know, I was never, I never worked there. He <laughs> <laughs> was, he was spared. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'll, I'll I'll say this uh, for Laser Craze Boss. He he told me like four months in advance ahead of anybody that the store was about to go out of business. How did he know? It's all, the, it's all the Jeff Striker laser discs that we have <laughs> in the basement. <laughs> that was part of it, but um, he um, he was in. I mean, look, he was the top employee there for the boss, for the main boss, who was yeah. like the owner. The owners basically told him, we're, we're very limited in time. Don't tell the staff. And, of course, right away, Fabian, I mean, sorry, laser craze boss, comes out and yeah. uh, tells me, he goes, uh, John, we're going out of business in a few months. You need to, I, I haven't told the others yet. <laughs> God. Yeah, so he's like, so if you, you know, better make some plans. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, gotcha. <laughs> Put in my notice. <laughs> I was done. What was the cost of one of those lasers? This usually, I know the average. Obviously, some were deluxe editions, some were just standards, etc. But forty bucks, forty bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's See, what did the market in too, because they were so expensive that it was kind of like a high end collecting thing. 
And that's forty dollars in nineteen nineties money, and that's like God, that's like eighty bucks today. I remember the two. I never bought actually. It's it more like eight hundred bucks because of buying. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Thanks, <laughs> I remember the two laser discs that were absolutely cost prohibitive. I would never have bought them anyway because I didn't like the movies. But and they were both pan scan features. One was Look Who's Talking, the first one. The other one was Fern Gully, the Last Rainforest. And they were get this back in nineteen ninety one or ninety two, one hundred and fifty nine dollars each. American Jeez. or Australian? No, Australian. We don't use American dollars here. I, no, I know what you're saying, but no, 159 Australian dollars. And that's in 1991, 92, which is about now, Jesus, 600 something bucks. I mean, get the fuck out of here. That's ridiculous. I was buying stuff from buddy from the US around that time for a third of that, for about 50 bucks. Stuff like, um, Oh, Blade Runner, the Criterion, I got for, I think, 50 or 55 Australian bucks at the time. So, yeah, just these these prices were insane. But there's some films on Laserdisc at the moment. They're the only still uncut versions out there. Um, from what I understand, the film Ransom, the theatrical cut, is only available on Laserdisc. It didn't even get the DVD. That got the director's cut. I, I don't even know what they would what the differences would be, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, mm. yeah. No, some apparently some sort of uh, moderate kind of, difference in there. It was kind of a forgettable movie, even though I love Mel. It was it was I, when you think of Mel Gibson movies, that's one of the last ones you think of. Mm. Yeah, no, it's not yeah, it was like, it's like a ramen noodles movie, basically, because it's a Ron Howard film. I'm back. Just kind I've of a always... time filler, you know. I've always said that the best Ron Howard film is Night Shift. There's nothing on top of Night Shift. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely love Night Shift. That's a good one movie. Of the funniest ones out there. And so on Ron Howard like as well. Mm-hmm. It's uh, definitely nothing that uh, you'd expect from the name Ron Howard these days anyway. That's for sure. By the way, is it the, the Scream director's cut? Is that only available on Laserdisc? I think that might have come out on Blu-ray. Yeah, it seems like, uh, it's like yeah, but the Merrimack stuff is in such a weird, you know, rights quagmire in a way. Like nobody really cares about that library. So I think I think Paramount. I think Paramount owns the rights to all the all the uh, Scream stuff. Okay, I just didn't know if they ever put out the director's cut on. I think it's I mean, only. It doesn't make a huge Jap- difference, but you know. Japanese only. I think it's a few seconds longer of, of gore. That's about it. Yeah, there's a bit more stabbing and blood, and that's about it. Yeah. I don't know if it's ever hit the um, sort of Western market, but in Japan, it was the only way to see the film fully uncut. Again, now I don't know. Right. Um, my son, my seventeen-year-old son, he's way into that sort of stuff, into the horror, and he um, just ordered or pre-ordered this thing uh, called the Batwoman. You ever heard of that? It's no. uh, a Mexican TV show. It's similar to, to the the Adam West Batman show, but it's the Batwoman, put out by Indicator Films. Oh, I've seen, I've seen it. I've seen it. I, I saw it a couple of years ago. Right, right. Yeah, he's just pre-ordered that last night. Uh, the limited edition box set, which I said. I don't know where you find this stuff, kid, but yeah. Oh, he goes, no, Dad, you got to watch it. He goes, it's messed up. I said, oh, okay, one day. <laughs> it's oh, like yeah. a, it's like a nineteen forties like Universal. If Universal made a superhero thing in the nineteen forties in color. 
It's kind of like that. It's got the mad scientist, the laboratory. It's not really like the Batman TV show. Oh, okay. It's like a weird, it's done. like the Lucha Libre movies they made, you know, Santo versus the mummy or whatever the hell. And um, that other, that other one, what was it called? Oh, Low Fidelity versus Hoogie. <laughs> that's that series. Low Fidelity versus the DNA test. <laughs> uh, you got a Scottish name and you got Greek facial hair, but, you know, that's questionable. Low Fidelity versus the Grim Reaper. Oh jeez! <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I think I think you're, if you're not getting casino money, then you're not an Indian. That's just me. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's true. That means you cannot prove your tribal membership. <laughs> that's why. That's why you could tell Elizabeth Warren wasn't uh, Indian. She had no casino money. Yeah, she wasn't getting a check. So. That's how you so can is, tell. How did the Indians manage to secure all the casinos? Is it yeah. Fox? Is it Foxwoods? One of them? Yeah, Foxwoods is one of them. Most of them are are because what it is is they're built on on uh, Indian land because supposedly Indian because um, they have their own rules. Like it's kind of like uh, it's like oh because we gave you blankets with po- uh, smallpox on it, you can do whatever you want <laughs> on your land. You know, and, and they can build casinos, you know, so what they do is they team up with like, you know, the, you know, like an MGM or someone like that. And then they build on Indian land. And is that the same for Vegas as well? No, Vegas is, uh, is, uh, just there, there it's illegal there, so they can just do it there. But most places, uh, gambling is illegal. Okay. So I'm talking about the actual ownership of the casinos. Is it? Indians as well in Vegas, or just the ones out in um? No, just out outside of Vegas. Outside of Vegas, okay. Yeah. So Vegas is its own, uh, yeah, its own thing. Okay. Yeah, federal law does not apply to the res. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't. Like we, uh, like I went to the an Indian, uh, drove through a reservation in Montana uh, to go to the Custer Battlefield last summer, and yeah, it's very different. Uh, and they had all these signs up that said um, uh, no to to BLM enforcement, not Black Lives Matter, but Bureau of Land Management. They don't want Bureau of Land Management cops on their land. Because I guess there was uh, some sort of proposal to allow the Bureau of Land Management enforcement on the res uh, to enforce laws. And the, the, the actual billboards had like guns to the head of like a white dude. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, they... Let me tell you something. They were based. They was like, I got a, I bought a very base t-shirt, you know, one of those, uh, uh, yeah, trust the government, turn in your guns. Uh, and then it, it's, it's the tribe with their rifles and everything. And I was just like, Oh, well I gotta have that. And I'll wear that, uh, next time I'm in Denver. But, um, but yeah, they're, it's very different there. They just want to run their businesses and be left alone. What was it about some pipeline they were getting the shits about? The key was a Keystone Pipeline. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. What was that yeah, all about? That was one of those things where I wonder how much of it was what the tribe wanted, and how much of it was what some activists calling themselves part of the tribe wanted. Mm. You never get the full story in the news anyway, so it's like I didn't know what to believe. The um, they just had a story here this morning about the uh, Pride March that went on here in Melbourne 
yesterday and um a bunch of uh, activists were wearing uh, and there was um some police they were march. wearing something usually they yeah. wear nothing at, at, at yeah they're nude time. here Stu. Yeah. are they just lucky yeah well yeah I, I'm, I'm sure the nudity they're, they're, they're showing i don't want to see because it'll be um, right. a lot more body hair than i will, would like on them um but they had a pride march here uh yeah yesterday and there was police you know going through the march with them because you know woke cops and shit like that not all of them i'm just saying i think i think the cops that were marching with them were actually gay cops so you know okay no worries but then some agitators turned up they call themselves activists but the agitators turned up with pig masks on saying pigs kill queers and <laughs> the cops turn on using pepper sprayed shit now yeah oh yeah fuck pepper sprays you I'm telling you now, I need to bring this up. I've been watching um, um, police body cam videos, American ones, though. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe when I sit there and I see some some Karen in a car just sitting there being told, ma'am, get out of the car. Ma'am, get out of the car. Ma'am, you're under arrest. Get out of the car. 30 minutes, I thought, what the fuck? Are you serious? 30 minutes? Here. You'd be told once, get out of the car. Second time, if, you, if they don't get out, second time, get out of the fucking car will be the next words. Third time, they'll just grab you and pull you out. That's it. There's no more third time, no th- third warning. They'll just grab you out. So a video that lasts 30 minutes for the American body cam on the cops would last about 90 seconds here. Well, unfortunately, the cops aren't allowed to shoot those people in America. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because those are usually the, uh, the what what people call the dregs of society. Mm, yeah, yeah, they're entitled assholes. Yeah, but I just couldn't believe this. This guys, these these two cops are still trying to negotiate with this woman for half. It was over half an hour in a car. I thought, are you kidding me? This <laughs> the the Australian cops that have had them out of the car and probably with about half a dozen fucking bruises and a black eye in about three minutes. If you're not going to comply with that sort of shit, so. Well, the thing is, instigating police abuse is sort of a get-rich-quick uh, scheme in America right now. Because oh, of, yeah, yeah. Because of, uh, you know, recent oh, events people. in the last three or four years, and, you know, it's just kind of, it's the new lottery, basically. In the 90s, it was writing a screenplay and selling it for a million bucks, and now it's uh, get a cop to beat you up, and, uh, you know, you're set for life. Hmm. Yeah, here though it doesn't really happen. They um, usually get thrown out. I don't think I've ever seen someone score money from being uh, beaten by the cops. Well, you guys, yeah, have, I think you guys actually have tort reform, and you don't allow that. You probably have a loser pays thing with lawsuits. Yes, yes. Yeah, and we don't have yeah. that in America because lawyers make all the rules, and it's something they've been trying to get tort reform going for years, and it just never happens because who runs the American legal system? Lawyers. What's the biggest money making thing? Lawsuits. So it's like it's not going to happen. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, but um, uh, have you seen any decent films lately? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> let me let me look up what I see. <laughs> well, so good, state, I can't even remember. It's a sad state of affairs when you have to actually think, you know, for a decent amount of time or look up what you Actually, seen. I enjoyed The Beekeeper. It was a fun action film. Beekeeper. Oh, I've heard of that. 
Who's yeah, that? J- uh, Jason Statham. Oh no, I really? Yeah, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I'm not fond of Jason Statham movies. Apart from those very, very early Guy Ritchie ones, that's about it. What yeah, but that, that um, yeah, I like the Iron Claw a lot. I thought that was really good. Um, Godzilla minus one, I really enjoyed. Um, okay. which is kind of a landmark movie if you think about it, because it's like when they released Godzilla minus one in America, you know they were like, if we can make five million dollars, that's a fucking win. We won. And they made $55 million with hardly any promotion. And that's insane. Yeah, it was I'm like sure. word of mouth. It's the first time I've yeah. seen a hit through word of mouth in a long time. You know, and it's like, it's a, in the movie, it's in totally in Japanese. Um, and it made $55 million. So now, and then right after that, you had the new Mizaki movie come out. And that made like $45 million. So it's like, now it's, I think, that the theaters are more open to like more alternative movies uh, coming into uh, the theaters now. Right. And what that Godzilla cost to make? Supposedly 13 mil. Is that it? Yeah. The early numbers were 15 mil and the director said, I wish I had 15 million to make it. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and the effects are great in it. Yeah. And supposedly yeah. there's only like five people on the effects team. <laughs> Shit! It just shows you that Marvel and and all those all those other companies that that churn out all this CGI heavy stuff. It's like they're either laundering money through inflated billing, or you know they're just they're getting ripped off by their you know Indian subcontractors or or Koreans <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, because the effects in the Godzilla movie were fantastic. It's like some of the best. CGI I've seen. I don't like CGI effects in general, but this stuff looked great. And um, they, they did it for just very little money. You know, it's, it was a surprise. That was the film I, uh, one of my sons, actually two of my sons wanted to go watch that Godzilla Minus One. Which I said, what a stupid title. What's the Minus One? What are you missing? I uh, actually don't even know what the hell the title is. <laughs> I think it was like, uh, you know, that they were, when Godzilla strikes, they were already minus one from being bombed by the Americans. Yeah. You know, the nukes. Yeah? Oh. Yeah. What a strange, okay. That's odd. But, in mind. Um, yeah, so that was one of the ones my son wanted to see. Gara, I'm surprised you went and watched the Iron Claw, because you're not much of a wrestling fan, are you? No, but it I, it looked interesting, so I wanted to, you know, and it's uh, it looked good, and I really enjoyed it, you know, and I and I'm not a wrestling fan, but I thought it was a really good movie. So you had no knowledge of the Von Erichs beforehand? Nope, nope. Mm, okay, it's a crazy story that Von Erich one. I tell you, it's um, it just uh, you know, is there a curse? I don't know. No, not really. I it's don't just think bad so. Luck. It's just a fucking crazy old uh, Fritz sending yeah. his kids to forum, but he and they always say that David killed himself. I don't think he killed himself over in Japan. I think no. he, just, he he ate himself to death. He was eating just stupid amounts of food, and his um stomach was it his stomach burst or his esophagus or something burst. That's that was the official story. I have also heard it was cocaine. Okay, and Bruiser Brody yeah. flushed the cocaine down the toilet before the authorities got there because they didn't want 
uh, all Japan implicated, the promotion implicated, and David's death. But I, who knows what the reality is? There's no telling. Yeah, because I was always under the impression there was nothing shady that ever happened in the uh, pro wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the movie, like I said on the show with Hunter, uh, was basically the pro wrestling illustrated version of the story. Yeah. Which means it's not really the truth, but, you know, it's acceptable as movie entertainment. It's about as good as you're going to get. I mean, there's hardly any Hollywood biopics that are terribly accurate anyway. Yeah. There's not many I can think of that. Um, that I, what about Southside with you, Garrow? Was that pretty accurate? No, that, that was a fantasy film. Like a <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where's Larry Sinclair? Come on. Yeah. He should be portrayed. Let's 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 see the truth. Yeah. You know? I want to see what I heard on Tucker on the big screen. <laughs> <laughs> now, if I, but, yeah, I, I, I saw The Boy in the Heron. I liked that quite a bit. Took my kid to see that. He's a big Miyazaki fan, and, and we enjoyed that. And it's unique to see something like that on the big screen, like, what, maybe a month after it premiered in Japan? Same with Godzilla Minus One. It's like, you know, years ago when you like this, this foreign product, you always had to wait like a year or two before you could see it. And usually it was uh, like a fathom events one night only. Exactly. Exactly. And this was like a regular run. And so it's, it's like, so it was really cool to go see it and have the choice between the dubbed and the subbed. And just as a slap in the face to the, the anime nerds that always made getting into this stuff kind of tough. The, uh, for a week they were running subtitled and dubbed and you had the option and then the next week, just the dub, so you could tell what was making more money. Yeah, the dub. Yes. <laughs> don't don't want to do no reading. Why should I have to read? It's well, even English. Miyazaki doesn't want you to watch it subtitled. He's he's like, no, I want you to look at the picture in the art. I don't want you reading the subtitles while you're looking at the art. But that brings us to let's say Bruce Lee, because we can't do one of these without talking about Bruce Lee, of course. <laughs> oh, of course, it's a standard mention these days. Yes. Would you rather watch the Bruce Lee movies, to be the Golden Harvest ones, the, the three while he was still alive, with the English dub, the let's let's say for what it is, very bad English dub, or the original Cantonese Mandarin, whatever they use, with the sub, which is more true? It was Mandarin. It Mandarin, okay. Yeah, although the Golden Harvest did finance these uh, Cantonese redubs in like 1978 for re-release when Cantonese became the dominant cinema language in hong kong yeah. and when i went to see fist of fury at the alamo draft house and this is the one we always knew as chinese connection now it's fist of fury again um it's uh, it was the cantonese version from like 1978 for the audio i don't know how you can tell the difference i, 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 I can tell the difference between the languages garrow can too yeah like mandarin is a lot more like yeah, and Cantonese is more free-flowing, you know. And they always mm -hmm. stretch the last word out. It's always, Garoa, like that, you know. <laughs> that's like the period. It's like, that's the period in the language, I think. Yeah. But what would you rather watch it with, the original audio and the subs, or the English dub? Hmm. I think to make them more interesting, because I've seen, I don't like the dubs on Big Boss and um, Fist of Fury at all. I think they're pretty bland. Uh, yeah. I prefer the Mandarin. It would be more interesting to watch them in Mandarin with subtitles because 
for the English dialogue in Fist of Fury, which is on both uh, Chinese language tracks, uh, mm -hmm. Bruce is dubbing the Russian. And, oh, and that's he dubs right. it in English. Yes. He says, oh, is Bruce doing a Russian accent? So it, it kind of gives it a little extra something of interest to, to listen for. And he dubs the black guy on Way of the Dragon as well in the, yeah, if the you original. Watch the, if you watch either of the Chinese language versions of Way of the Dragon, he dubs the black guy. I think he dubs another character. I always forget, but he does some of the some of the dubbing. He does most of the English dialogue in that one. Oh, it's most of it. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. I think because I know he does. I think he does the Italian guy going "Mamma Mia." I think that's Bruce. <laughs> God. You know, and that that makes it a little more interesting. But I think the dub on Way of the Dragon is actually a lot of fun. The dialogue's fun, you know. But I have a hard time watching those movies. I'm, I'm so tired of them. I don't. I'd rather watch a, you know, a uh, a Hong Kong movie I haven't seen in years, or or one that I've never seen, than watch a Bruce Lee movie again. They've released over here. Um, oh, who's put it out? Is it Fire Vision? I think has released a um, Asian film a subsidiary country subsidiary company in the last couple of months. Mm -hmm. Um. You boys keep talking. I'll, I'll check it out. Okay. But I'm, I'm dead sure it's uh, Firevision who have done it. And um, they're starting to release some uh, uh, Imprint Asia, I think. That's it. Yes. Imprint Asia? Yes. It's a new line they've started. So the Imprint line that they've had for about three years now, three or four years, is now starting to do the Imprint Asia and it's strictly Asian movies. So I'm hoping... Uh, that we get the Huey Brothers movies here finally. But in the first one, they've got uh, Imprint Asia Bundle 1, Lost in the Stars. Uh, I don't know these titles. The Sea is Watching, Kurosawa's Final Tale of Love or something it's called. Uh, so it's Japanese art films, basically? Uh, yeah, and The Blind Swordsman Zatoichi 2003. That's the first bundle. So it's a beat Takashi film. Yeah. Oh, and the other three titles is the other one. Uh, just those films on their own. So you can get them in a bundle or you can get them more separately. So, yeah. Right. So it's basically, that's their first releases, but they're, they're doing them uh, on a monthly or bi-monthly um, period. So, yeah, hopefully it's not just Japanese stuff or just, uh, you know, Hong Kong cinema. We can get some of the, um, or not not the uh, action, Hong Kong action stuff. Hopefully we can get some of the Wee Brothers comedies, but um I don't like our chances of getting them licensed to over here. Yeah, because it's. I think all um, that stuff isn't look at, looked at as uh, profitable. Yeah. No, it's not. But I mean, even if you can just do a run of say a thousand copies of it, I only need one or two. I don't think like. that. I don't think that. I think they'd be in because uh, you'd understand. Oh, the Hui brothers, outside of like you know. Hong Kong, China, um, and Japan. Not, yeah, they're Japan, big in Japan. They're they're not really that known. Like if you like, you go like people know who Jackie Chan is. People know who Chiang Fat is. People know who Jet yeah. Li is. If you go up to them and go, "Man, you know who's great?" Ricky Hoy. They'll be like, "I don't know who the fuck that is." You know, yep. most people. Um, and they think it just comes down to uh, if there was a fan base for him. Uh, in in but they're they're really isn't like even in in talk of like hong kong film fans michael the hoy brothers come out come up very rarely 
That's sad. It's extremely it sad. It is. Because I've looked at getting that um, that long lost box set from Triple D Asia, whatever it's called, or what's that? What is that place called? DD Triple D House. That's it. Yeah, Triple D House, which sounds like a a nudie website, but it's actually not. Um, but yeah, that's that's long gone. That set. So um, and no one else has released it, so I don't like my chances. I've got the film. I bought it off iTunes in. I guess what you call some sort of sub HD, but to have the actual film in my hands on the physical format, nah, don't have it. And uh, can't uh, see myself getting it either. I, I can't see myself uh, finding it anywhere. But um, speaking of finding things, I did bench to find on Saturday. Uh, amazingly, the Danzig album Death Red Sabbath from 2010. I thought that thing was gone. I haven't seen it for years anyway. I never owned it. But it turned up at a store for 15 bucks, so I snapped it up straight away. So my, my Danzig collection is nearly complete. I just need uh, Circle of Snakes and Skeletons. And that Circle of Snakes is a motherfucker to find. It is so difficult. What about the Black Araya, the classical music? I've got that. I've got, no, I've actually got the first one, funny man. I've actually got the first one. I don't have the second one. And it would need to be at a decent price of 15 or less for me to pick it up. But right. uh, I've, I've got, yeah, I've got all the albums except Circle of Snakes um, and Skeletons, that cover album we did. I've actually even got the box set, the Lost Tracks of Danzig. I've got that. Um, Black Aria, I've got. Uh, live on the Black Hand side. So, yeah, and all the other studios, but just those two. So the hunt continues for the, the Glenn Danzig collection. But I was happy to get Death Red Sabbath, and that's a John. I'd recommend that one of his to listen to. It is one of the one of the best ones outside of the uh, the big four he did on the American recording. Well, it's funny because I it's funny you mentioned that that album because I uh, I kind of I found my Zune under a pile of stuff when I was cleaning out my desk, yeah. and, I, and I powered it up, and that album is on there. <laughs> so. Oh, it was on there. Yeah. <laughs> Wow! Like the nice. Zoom does not, um, it doesn't sync with any computer I plug it into. It, you know, apparently that connection's broken on it, but but it has all the stuff I left on it, and one of them was the that that particular Danzig CD. Oh wow, that's crazy! Surprised that Zoom is Zoom even a thing anymore? <laughs> I think it's no. dead and gone. But it's gonna make no, it no, it's dead. It's like, but <laughs> mine still works, and. Um, the funny thing is, I also found the winners, the Hong Kong Canto Pop Band. Apparently, I had downloaded a greatest <laughs> of my Zoom. So I have like the rarest Canto Pop music on there. And it also has the Spartan X soundtrack for Wheels on Meals. So I had a lot of weird oh stuff my on there. God. But you would have had to have it on a, on a physical hard drive as well, wouldn't you? To transport it over to your Zoom. Yeah, I think what I did was I burned CD copies at the time because um, I was too okay. cheap to just buy a portable hard drive, which is what I started doing. I started saving all my MP3s on there, but um, back then I would just burn a CD and then I would, you know, transfer it to the Zune, and I just it was funny because of course then you end up with these flip books that are, that are disorganized and you got to really dig for stuff. But um, the uh, but to find the winners collection was pretty hilarious because usually when I want to listen to them, I just go to YouTube. Yes, yeah, so what my brother does as well. He goes, Ah, oh, if I want an album, I'll just listen to it on YouTube. It's all there. Yeah, I thought, Yeah, but 
like that the physical copy, you know, Eddie Trunk moment here. I've got a physical copy in my hand. But compared to my core. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. But um I'll tell you one thing that's making a comeback is DVDs, believe it or not. Really? I hear about that in foreign markets. That's the case. Yeah, I popped some up on Marketplace just because I am just doing a complete sweep of my collection. I thought, there's shit here. Don't need, don't need, don't need, don't need. And I just thought, I'm going to put it on Marketplace, put it up cheap. And if it goes, it goes. If it doesn't, then the, you know, the um, Salvation Army, the thrift stores can get them. But no. No sooner I put something up, it's like, oh, man, can I have this? Popeye. Popeye was the one, the Robin Williams film. I thought, I don't need this fucking movie. I've seen it once. It was, you know, whatever. As soon as I put it up on Marketplace, oh, is Popeye available? Is Popeye available? If I can one come up, two more come up. Can I get Popeye? I was like, what the fuck's going on? This is stupid. <laughs> but apparently it's heavily so- that That and Runaway as well, the, the Tom Selleck film. That hmm. was either, he got Popeye, can I get Runaway? Can I get Runaway? Can I get Runaway and Popeye? What fucking hell, mate? But um, yeah, some guy messaged me within about I think three minutes of the post going up and wanted Popeye and run away. So I'd say, yeah, and then you always give me your address, and I'll mail them out to you. So interesting. And it's not just that. So it's not just that one time for me to say, oh, oh yeah, they're making a comeback. This has happened a lot of times. So for shit, I thought, yeah, this won't sell. It'll just end up in the bag down the thrift store. And nope, sure enough, as soon as it goes up, it's like, oh, try this, and then multiple people wanting that. So, crazy. I think uh, one guy did mention to me was uh, the fact they're now starting to censor things on streaming. He wants physical copies, which I thought, okay, that's fair enough. Um, if that's your thing. But these these are films I'll never watch again. I don't, I don't, I don't need them on the shelf. I've yeah, actually compacted. I've been cleaning my shelf of that type of stuff, like, constantly. I'm always like, am I going to watch this in 10 years? Well, some I've, some I've kept, but they're not. So... I had about 500 DVDs. I thought, you know what, I'm going to keep maybe about, I think I've got 100 on there that I keep on the shelf just because they can't. The rest, some some I put aside to go. A lot I put into a uh, plastic sealable sleeve with a cover and a disc inside it uh-huh. and in, into a container. I managed to fit into one container, a, a container that you know neatly fits these things, uh, two, 200 and... 50 titles or something, 280 titles. So all my, a lot of my collection got compacted into one container and they're accessible. Just flip through them. They're alphabetically listed. They're still there. So, um, just a bit of space saving. That's all it was. I saw some guy on YouTube did. I thought, wow, that's a really good idea that for things I just don't need to have sitting on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. So I know some uh, friends who've done that, who've done that with the flip books and the, the DVD and Blu-ray covers and the disc and everything. It's been a, a lot of people are doing it. It's understandable because uh, these things do take up a lot of space for something that was an alternative to VHS eating up a lot of space. And now it turns out a lot of DVDs can do it too. Yeah. And the price of VHS tapes these days, I need to get my container out from the, from the shed and just say, look, <laughs> 10 bucks, 10 bucks, 10. And these things just fly at the door. Cause I got a lot of stuff in there from the fucking eighties where I thought, I don't know. Just try my luck. If they go for a right. tenner, great. If they don't, flea market. I did have, a, I think I bought half a dozen VHS tapes from the Salvation Army, the thrift, or basically the uh, Goodwill store, you call it there. Right. Uh, 50, three bucks a lot, 50 cents each. 
and El Tango and Cash and uh, Clint Eastwood's Tightrope and oh, the Michael J. Fox film Light of Day. That's one of the rare ones to get. It's still as good. Australia's masterpiece. Yeah, it's it is a good movie actually. <laughs> I, I really see that. jokes aside, I actually do like that film. And I thought I'm gonna try my luck. I'll pop pop them up on uh, on marketplace and see how I go. Uh, as a joke, I put light of day twenty five bucks. Even though I pay fifty cents for it. Gone. <laughs> Salt. The guy fucking took wow. it. Wow. Yeah. It's just I thought as a piss take, I'm gonna just put this up for twenty five bucks. And um, yeah, after I think uh, two days or something, he came and bought nearly all of them. So I think I had them for about eighty bucks for all of them. Seventy-five bucks for a three-dollar <laughs> sale. And he took the lot, and um, when I was speaking to him in the car, I thought I've got to ask him. I said, "So, uh, what's the uh, thing with VHS tapes?" Because I'm just a massive collector. I said, "Okay, fair enough. Get out of my driveway. Go. <laughs> I got your money. See you later." It's it's a mentality I don't get. I just don't understand it, really. Yeah, yeah. I, I will say this: when someone's got a huge collection of VHS tapes, that ones that have been looked after, which you're not going to get all of them like that, obviously, for things that are forty plus years old, they do look great. They look really good, but to, for for me to do it, uh, I'm not going to play them. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna. I got my VHS player next to me here. I got my laptop. I got my program software that i'll just run the vhs tape into there make an mkv or an mp4 of it whatever format i use and um pop it on my hard drive and the tape can go i don't need to don't need to keep it around i might keep a couple around as a keepsake that's about it not the not the whole container i've got in the sheds worth they can um they can go they can take take a disappearing uh act out of my house i don't really care yeah, um, it's funny uh, because the only VHS I ever find myself buying, like if I'm at a thrift store, like half off day, uh, I will, that's same as the Salvation Army, I guess, or Goodwill. Um, sometimes I'll find videotapes of like old Hollywood screwball comedies put out by MGM that never got a DVD release and you can only catch them on TCM once every five years. And uh, I'll buy those or I'll buy like Roy Rogers movies on the official Republic videotapes just to watch them but after that i'm probably just going to donate them again or see if i can yeah. sell them the some you know we have a couple of cult movie stores in in the area now so i could pro- probably sell them to them but that's about the only reason is just to see rare stuff that doesn't have a, a disc release or a real disc release of any sort do you know they say that i don't know about today but they did say at one point and it wasn't too long ago that that laser cornered the market of films from vhs onto the laser format better or more than what dvd did hmm you know it's funny because it seems like they started doing that better as the format was about to die because i remember uh like the last year one of the last years of laserdisc production they were putting weird MGM stuff on Laserdisc, like uh, Antonio Margariti's Wild Wild Planet, like the weird 60s spaghetti sci-fi movies. It was Oh, really? Strange. Yeah, it was weird. And huh. Paramount put out some cult stuff, like um, something they've never put out on DVD, and I think they own it. Uh, the um, It's the Japanese uh, Nostradamus, uh, Prophecies of Nostradamus, or something like that. It's a, it's a crazy... 
it's a real crazy, like, speculative fiction movie about the end of the world, and it's disturbing, and apparently banned in Japan because there's a closing scene with two mutants supposedly born of, uh, you know, nuclear warfare or whatever, you know, fighting each other. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's a strange, controversial movie, but Paramount released the only version on home video on VHS, and I don't know if they ever got a Laserdisc out, but it's never made it to DVD. And it has not popped up. It's funny, all the other stuff like where the Gargantuas and Rodan and the Godzilla movies have shown up even on Tubi and Criterion mm. and HBO Max. But mm. this one film, The Prophecies of Nostradamus, has not has not seen any streaming format. Crazy. Yeah. And no Japanese release because they don't they ban the movie there for some reason and won't do a workaround and release it. But there is um some sort of basis there because i mean i remember and i think i've got it still on laserdisc i've got some yeah it's it's really wild i um i had half half a dozen laserdisc tiles i thought uh, i've got these films on you know high def i don't need them i'm just gonna give them away free i thought i could try to sell them i thought i was gonna give them away free i put in the marketplace i had free first person who gets them uh first person wants them Got to come and get them. No holds. No, you know, I'll pick them up on wins. You want them? Come down and get them now. Oh, man. Fucking <laughs> hell. That was insane message. I can come now. I'll come now. I'll come now. But some lady already snagged them within, uh, honestly, within five minutes. She said, I can come down now. I said, no worries. Here's my address. Come on down. Holy shit. It was just fucking one popping up after the other. After the other. I can come down now. I can come down. Can you hold till fucking Monday? No, sorry. I said, in the end, I just I stopped all messages. I said, sold. That was it. Please no more messages. It was absolutely fucking insane. But um, the, some of the ones I do have, I've got that, I think I mentioned it before to you, John, the tubes, uh, the principal <laughs> backwards. Yeah. Still no home video release except for Laserdisc. I think. Yeah, I would hold on to that. Yeah, I'm hanging on to that one. I um, well, that's the thing. Now my laserdisc player is not reading the discs. Right. I've opened the I've opened, you know opened the top up, given a laser reclaim, but eh, <laughs> not happening. And I don't want to invest in another player. I cannot be bothered. Not for the few titles I got, which is same shame. Some of the titles I got, are some of the rarer ones, but yeah. Yeah, I, um, mine is not reading half the Laserdisc I put in. So okay. I sold a bunch of mine to the Archive in Aurora, the Vinegar Syndrome store we have here. And they gave me good money for them. I got like 200 bucks for the stack. Oh, and wow. I said, wow, I wish I had held on to all the ones I just donated to Goodwill just out of boredom. <laughs> it's like I'd have a bigger gift card. <laughs> so. So, so what does that company do? They actually take stuff off of those Laserdiscs and use them for their future releases. No, no, what they're doing is they've set up a, what happened was Vinegar Syndrome bought a building in um, in Aurora, really yeah. in Denver, um, off of uh, Colfax that is, um, it's, it was like their shipping center for the West Coast. And okay. they had enough space in it to basically open a retail store. So they opened a retail store and made it sort of like a cult movie store. Mm-hmm. So it's it's pretty neat. I mean, and they have one in Connecticut or wherever the hell the vinegar syndrome is is uh, based out of. But it's a mm-hmm. pretty cool store to go into. They have like an old tube TV set up, and it just plays VHS tapes of monster movies and stuff. It's it's fun. It's it's a fun place to go to. But they they sell a lot of used Blu-ray DVDs, and 
um, I told them, I said, I got a bunch of laser discs I really don't need anymore, and they look like crap mm. on my HD TVs. Um, would you guys give me something for them? I figured I'll get forty dollars credit, and they mm. called me up and said two hundred bucks. I was like, oh whoa, you know. So uh, I still held on to some super rare stuff I've got, mainly Hong Kong laser disc. Like I've got the my rarest is I've got the Bruce Lai uh, <laughs> movie that, uh, that was filmed in English. The Hong Kong laser disc is not in English; it's in Cantonese and Mandarin. Uh, Power Force, also known as Dragon Force. In fact, the laser disc says Dragon Force, but it's. It's not a great movie, but it's a weird, watchable, fun movie. And uh, the laser disc looks better than all the prints that are currently in cir- circulation. So I held on to that. And some of the other Hong Kong laser discs I've still got. And some of the American laser discs I just uh, didn't take down there in time to get something for them. Like I've got the Criterion Killer, uh, John Woo's The Killer, which is probably still the oddly the best version of it anywhere because it's got the real soundtrack and it's a decent picture. There's a question. I have the uh, Miramax Blu-ray of Hardball, which supposedly is not one you want to keep on your shelf because it's got some problems. But what's what was it? Was it the, the subtitles were all wrong? I don't know. Um, there's I've been told by people there's like three sets of subtitles for Hardboiled, depending on which version you've got. Garo, I I I. It's possible. You want to know what my... Because I, I actually kept a couple of my Laserdiscs, too. Even though mm-hmm. I haven't had a laser player, player never. The rarest one I have, and I think John will be... Will agree with me. I got Pedicab Driver on Laserdisc. Yeah. That's a rare one. Yep. What is that? It's Sam Hong movie with Black Sam Hong. Okay, okay. Oh. <laughs> I've never heard of it. Ever. Well, Warner Brothers, Warner Archive did release it on DVD. The problem is uh, they they gave it subtitles for the deaf and didn't offer like an English dub, which they have, but they didn't offer any options on it. And the subtitles are for the deaf. So you get uh, the subtitles describing to you the sound that's being made on screen. So oh, it's, wow. it's a really obnoxious watch, you know, unless you're deaf, of course. But, you know, that was well, really well, I- of them. Yeah, well, what I've managed to do is actually uh, download the subtitles from uh, of Hardball from an actual Asian uh, Blu-ray mm-hmm. in the uh, SRT format. I've got a Blu-ray burner now, so I'm going to rip my hard-boiled film, remove away the crappy Miramax subs, and throw those on there and see if they sync up and uh, make my own cut of hard-boiled. I, would I love suspect to- they're dub titles. I would they love... Are. I would okay. love to get the the uh, old subtitles for Love on Delivery because the new ones on the Celestial DVD are terrible. What's wrong yeah, with that? I, I still they, have my they, CD. They, it was like they, they cleaned up a lot of it. it like, like a lot of the subtitles were filthy and they cleaned up the language. And it was funny because it was so filthy. Some of the jokes and stuff like that. And, they, and the, the new subtitles are all cleaned up to make it more like PG. Oh, no. Yep. Yeah, Celestial has terrible subtitles on their Shaw Brothers films and, like, even Inframan. I mean, the subtitles are a lousy translation. It's almost like Google Translate and cleaned up for... <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. How long before AI starts taking over subtitles for films? I say bring it on. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah. Because the job they're doing right now is not good. Actually, um... You can now load in 
uh, a clip that's in another language, and it will dub it into English for you. No way. Really? Yep. Oh, wow. That's fucking... It, that's, that's insane and scary at the same time, because... Uh, we're just seeing the tip of the iceberg with this AI shit. I really hope I mean, it doesn't get any further than what it is, but it will. I mean, some scumbags are making whole podcasts using other people's voices. I mean, it's weird. That's that is a low act. I mean, that yep. that is a sociopath a, in the making. Yep. Yeah, and I him might be a mass killing in his future or something. <laughs> and and to and and do it as well without the consent of the other you know voices that they're doing is just. A shit act in my book. Yep. Just to a take someone else's voice. Yes. <laughs> a real Biden voters, we used to call them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But in all honesty, that that thing about taking someone a snippet of someone's voice and then cloning it, man, that oh, that just leaves shit open for oh. Well, look at know. the kerfuffle about the the George Carlin. AI thing that's on YouTube. What I, I don't know about that. I know the um, Johnny Cash one. Well, there's a George Carlin one that apparently is causing sparked a lawsuit from the Carlin estate. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it. I don't know what the big deal about it is, but the, this just something I've noticed blurbs for in headlines. I mean, I don't I don't really care, but it's like um, you know it's something about I. My only theory was like, well, could somebody maybe come up with a new Eddie Murphy stand-up special through AI and actually have him be funny and, you know, be like the old Eddie of the 80s? Who knows? I could try. Who was Pre-marriage Eddie Murphy. (laughs) Who who was funnier? Eddie Murphy or Richard Pryor on stage? Eddie 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 Murphy. Eddie Murphy, not Richard Pryor. Yeah, I think Pryor's Mm -hmm. overrated. Yeah, I watched uh, Richard Pryor live in concert the other night. I thought, wow, this ain't funny. This supposedly yeah. groundbreaking thing, it is not funny at all. Well, it's, it's funny because I read this book uh, that the Nez sent me about the comedian stand-up comedy, and mm-hmm. they had a quote that Andy Kaufman, well, you know, when he was young, he went to see Richard Pryor because he was like the big hip stand-up co- comedian to go see, and he said he didn't laugh once. He didn't understand it. He didn't think it was funny at all, and he didn't find most stand-up comedy funny. He actually thought wrestlers... And children's show hosts were much funnier on TV than stand-up comedy. I agree. And it yeah, it kind of makes sense. Sure. It was kind of a red-pilling statement because I said, you know, I've always found, like, I go back and I watch old wrestling promos and stuff. To me, that stuff is much funnier than watching a stand-up comedian from that era. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I was watching, last night I was in bed, I was watching uh, the first Royal Rumble. I picked up the five, uh, the four Royal Rumble sets for 50 bucks, brand new. I thought, this is a steal for 50 bucks for all these 20 years of Royal Rumble. I popped it on, and um, it hit the first segment. Uh, one of the first segments was um, Dino Bravo mm. <laughs> weightlifting, uh, oh, uh, bench pressing seven hundred and five pounds. The the uh, for going for the world record, and uh, you know Jesse Ventura was there, and he was putting weights on each time, and the crowd's booing Dino Bravo, and Jesse's screaming, "Yeah, shut up, you disrespectful pigs!" And so, so I just I was <laughs> fucking laughing my ass. I thought this is the funny shit. Let's see you fat asses. You, you people lift these sort of weight. But, yeah, I get your point about wrestlers. Are way funnier. I mean, let me look at some of the old Hulk Hogan promos even. I mean, he's off his head on cocaine, but yeah. you just got to laugh. And, and the old Ultimate Warrior ones where he's making no sense. You think, this oh, no, shit's funnier than this fucking stand 
like superstar Billy Graham, Dusty Rhodes, all those guys are hilarious. Like Jimmy, Jimmy Valiant, whether he's a heel or the boogie woogie man, he's actually hysterical. Yeah. Even just, you know, the fact they can keep a straight face and, and, and also people like Gene Oakland, how he managed to keep a straight face. I've seen him crack up a few times. Yeah. Um, well, there's oh, one God. you can see on YouTube that people can look up. It's where the Iron Sheik uh, suddenly says to Gene Okerlund, you brilliant Jewish broadcaster like Gene Okerlund. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see Okerlund start to lose it. He starts cracking up. He, cannot, he can't keep a straight face. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, smart Jew, intelligent Jew broadcaster. <laughs> <laughs> there was also but, the other one. I think it was David Schultz where I'm pretty sure it was the, uh David Schultz, where he goes, he's talking to Gene Oakland. He goes, yeah, I went down to San Francisco to find me a real woman. I went for a woman. Not, not like these sissies in San Francisco. And Oakland just loses it. He had to turn his back. <laughs> well, it's just like, um, uh, oh, what was it? I, I remember Garrow got a hold of this tape when we were all on an Andy Kaufman kick. And it mm. was Kaufman wrestling in Memphis. And Jimmy Hart who, uh, as I said on the last show, was like the best wrestling manager of all time until he went to the WWF and was told not to outshine Bobby Heenan. Uh, but he's on Memphis Wrestling, and he says he's feuding with Andy Kaufman in an angle that makes no sense because Andy Kaufman says he's from Hollywood, but we all know he's really from San Francisco, and he limps his wrist <laughs> and everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I miss those old days of wrestling. God, they were fucking great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, those guys are hilarious, but also the um, it's funny because I, I saw an early Iron Sheik promo when he was doing the the club swing challenge that he would do, uh, you know, Persian club challenge as he called it, and he started the whole none of you Americans can lift these clubs. You're too fat on soda pop and hamburger. You know, it's <laughs> brilliant stuff. It's just it's high comedy, and you can see the announcers really struggling not to laugh because you know they got these lunatics coming up with these comedy routines, much funnier than, you know, listening to Richard Pryor. Yeah, I know. I remember seeing the Iron Sheik, he got inducted into the Hall of Fame, and um, he he gave a little bit of praise to Vince, but he really heaped praise on Vince Senior. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah. Vince Senior. He always had to emphasize Vince Senior, saying, oh, such a good man. And it was like, oh, yeah, Vince Jr., you're, you're okay, I guess. But, <laughs> boy. Yeah, Vin, well, hate. Vince Sr. made him a headliner. He was a head, he was a total top top of the line guy under Vince Sr. You know, getting back to wrestling, which I know, Gary, you're not, you're not much into, <laughs> but we'll um, just give us a couple minutes here. John, you remember the whole Attitude Era, obviously, right? Um, I don't, actually don't care for it, despite encountering Vince Russo at Second and Charles a couple of months I, back. I know you don't care for it, but I remember you remember it, right? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Right. My my point is, when I was watching this Royal Rumble last night, Vince McMahon was one of the commentators, along with Jesse Ventura. I thought, you know what? For all his failings, he's actually a pretty good commentator. Is he Gorilla Monsoon? No. But, you know, he's, he's really competent as a commentator. Why he needed to inject himself into the Mr. McMahon role in the Attitude Era, to me, really ruined everything. He should, have, he should have pulled back and just stayed behind the scenes. Didn't need to be up front. But obviously, that's his ego. He couldn't help himself. Well, it was it was sort of a um, – that was a matter of uh, Owen Hart broke Steve Austin's neck legit uh, yeah. doing a pile driver on him. Yeah. And Austin could not wrestle, and he was the top star in wrestling. 
and he had to recover. So Vince Russo was the one who came up with the idea that, okay, let's turn Vince McMahon into the top heel and just have uh, Steve Austin attack him behind the scenes or in the ring and just punch and kick. And then Steve doesn't have to worry about hurting himself and, you know, reawakening that broken neck injury or whatever. And that's what started it. And the unfortunate thing was, though, that angle of Mr. McMahon and Steve Austin was the biggest rating TV ratings ever for the WWE or WWF. Yeah. Like unbelievable ratings. Apparently the highest rated episode of Raw. I don't know if this is still true because uh, I don't really keep up with with wrestling that much these days um, was an awful episode where it was uh, Mankind, you know, Cactus Jack McFoley. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh, this is your life. A whole like hour long comedy sketch with the, the, with the worst things yeah. I've ever seen. And it's it was bad. like, yeah, yeah, it was for The Rock or what? It was terrible. It was just a little a lengthy Vince Russo commie sketch, highest ratings ever for Raw. That's crazy. It's nuts. It's it's just like because it was drawing in basically viewers that were not wrestling fans. They just liked the comedy or they were amused by. I I don't know. It's just it's absolutely idiotic. Yeah, I just never got the whole thing of Vince pre attitude. You know, oh, keep it on the down low. I'm not the owner of this company. Well, you so- know, they, pre- they previewed that angle kind of unintentionally. <laughs> Uh, when in the early nineties, uh, WWF was in a court of a sort of, um, what would you say? A cordial relationship with Memphis wrestling. So they cooked mm. up an idea that they would have, uh, Lawler feud like Memphis wrestling would feud with the WWF and Lawler would be a baby face on Memphis television locally. But when he was doing the color commentary on the national raw broadcast, he was a uh, heel. Right. So, so they, so Vince McMahon would send in t- these promo tapes of him being a heel promoter invading Memphis and saying, I'm going to put Memphis wrestling out of business. You're nothing but a, a carnival flower, th- you know, uh, a carnival, uh, like a fire throwing show, you know, m- making fun of the fact that Lawler would always throw fire in the ring and do all that stuff that they call cheap gaga and wrestling. And they ran a pretty hilarious um, and you can't find any of this stuff on tele on like YouTube, but, um, I saw some really raw tapes of it and it was absolutely hilarious. Like Vince doing these anti-Memphis wrestling promos and putting on uh, Randy Savage's, uh, sunglasses. So you'll believe in macho madness and doing a, a big smile that Randy Savage would, would send in promos about how Lawler, screwed him over in a unification match in Memphis because, oh yeah, once I crossed that line, it was Tennessee justice, you know, claiming Jerry Calhoun, the referee was in Lawler's pocket and they just ran this hilarious stuff. And there was a footage from the Memphis Coliseum from one of their big Monday night shows. And uh, Lawler was running after Randy Savage and McMahon was sitting ringside and stuck his foot out and tripped Lawler. <laughs> and, it's, and this was years before the whole Steve Austin, Mr. McMahon shit. So yeah. they kind of did a warm up for it in Memphis wrestling. And it's unfortunate this stuff is not out on YouTube or any of the streams or anything, but because it, it's pretty hilarious stuff. But I mean, with Vince being a heel, okay, fine. He's good at it. But when he went to the extreme of being a heel, it just, it, it was too much. By by the time 99, 2000 really came around, man, the WWF was just, it was just on overload. Everything was just turned up to fucking 20. It was just, 
it was you know, an assault on the senses all the time, and it shouldn't have been that. that. It should have been that, but not to that ex- extent. Yeah, it was I mean, made for short attention spans, and it was like it was like watching an R-rated Carol Burnett show with violence. Oh, completely. Yeah, it was just awful. It was just bad sketch comedy writing and hot shot angles. It was it was really annoying to watch. Yeah, and, and uh, so I've been watching a uh, YouTube channel called Wrestling Insight. It's mm-hmm. only a new one, and uh, the guy's only been out a few months. And um, he's a pretty base sort of fella, you know. He's uh, and he sort of bears a, 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 a passing uh, resemblance to Owen Hart a little bit. So mm-hmm. um, it's it's strange, but he's also got he's got these videos up there of uh, did Vince McMahon kill <laughs> Macho Man Savage? Oh, <laughs> did, Vince, did Vince McMahon kill Owen Hart? And you know what? Okay, buying into conspiracy theories. You know what? I've said about the the Chris Benoit one. Oh, I tell you, it's very easy for me to say, "Oh yeah, he did. He killed the whole family." But man, there's so much evidence out there of no, things just don't add up. You can't have this many things not add up for you to say, "Oh yeah, he did it. He may have done it." But you've also got to keep some sort of open mind and say, "Well, I should look at this at least and see, you know, what they're presenting to me." This is all. This is not all hearsay or, or this is records obtained through the Freedom of Information Act. Mm-hmm. With, or so they, say, so they tell you. Well, I mean, you'd have to go to a lot of work to, to, to fake this stuff. I mean, when the documents are on screen, it's not them telling you. Their documents are actually on screen. So. Yeah, you know. The thing is, it's like it's like Razor Fist at his what two hour defense of Michael Jackson. No, well, claiming he's not Pino, which is like, like the yeah. most retarded stance you can make. <laughs> it's like I don't care what they said to court of law. The court of law says OJ Simpson didn't kill his wife, and you know, and that dude. It's like doesn't mm. doesn't make it so. It's like it's it's a lot of that. Uh, it's sort of like reading the legal paperwork, the or whatever, and it just doesn't. It doesn't jive. I mean, Benoit's fa- relatives have no problem with how the case has been, you know, investigated and shut. Same with uh, Nancy, Nancy's family. So it's just like, I just don't see anything there. Conspiracy theorists will always misrepresent stuff and stage it in a way to make you question it. And it doesn't really make it so. Yeah, because this, uh, some of the videos I've watched have been saying, you know, Vince is a very, very high-ranking Freemason, and uh, oh my God, yeah, they blood, just it's, junk it. Blood, you know. blood sacrifices made. One was Owen Hart. One was then um, Macho Man Savage was killed, and you know because uh, Vince took some delayed revenge over the so-called Stephanie Savage. Uh, and then, then the Illuminati had a meeting on Jekyll Island and decided all this stuff and all. That yeah, stuff. probably yeah behind yeah. you know behind closed big wooden doors and. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> it's just it's all too much. It's like the same people that claim Donald Trump's father was a Klansman and all this shit. And there was like, no, it, it was, he was like one of the least prejudiced businessmen in New York. Like Yafet Kato's mother worked for him and loved him. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, before that, like, Yafet Kato was big time MAGA, which I'm sure annoyed a lot of the cult movie fans. I didn't know that. It, it, go to his know. Facebook page. I think it's still up. Hmm. Oh, okay. And he was he was all claiming. He says, I'm all about the Constitution. He was like a, you know, he's like Alex Jones, who had played a Bond villain. What about the uh, the conspiracy theory about Michelle Obama? 
about her dick. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a conspiracy theory. Yeah. <laughs> it's there a are conspiracy theories uh, still. A conspiracy theory is something that might be false. <laughs> <laughs> we all know Michelle's got a big dong. That's why her nickname's Big Mike. <laughs> it's funny because you know years ago it's almost like even on conservative shows they wouldn't make those jokes now you can tune into the blaze and they'll be making the big mic jokes all the time yeah but the blaze is doing the shit now the garo has been doing it for the last <laughs> <fucking hell. laughs> they're ripping him off robin <laughs> uh, and can i can we talk about one thing that really upsets me that didn't get like a whole lot of press that this past year Hmm. Um, you, you remember the story about how um, a chef, uh, Obama's chef, died from paddle boating? Yeah. Right. Which is the, the stupidest fucking excuse for someone dying. Like a black guy is going to go, go like, I can't wait to go paddle boarding. I know one black person <laughs> who even knows what paddle boarding is. And... The next, like the next day or two, uh, Obama was photographed at the golf course, and he had bruises and all this, and all this other stuff. And it wasn't a big story. It wasn't a big story. Okay, I just see Obama's shift. Tafari Campbell dies in pedal boarding accident. Okay, Massachusetts. Yeah. Oh well. Well, hell, so, uh, one of his ex-girlfriends, and she said he used to tell me he had dreams about having sex with men. Yep. And, I mean, it's almost like pretty much openly accepted he was he's gay. Yep. The only people who don't believe it are Democrats. Yep. Everyone else knows it. Why I mean, won't they believe it? Like, if he came out, let's say he came out and said, yes, it's true. What would be the big problem with it? Not, it, it, it wouldn't change anything. Yeah, exactly. He should just so, come out and say it. But then, see the re but the reason they can't do it now is because then it shows the big lie, yeah, you know, and they can't expose that they're liars. So it will, it will, they'll go to the grave with him being like, "I love Michelle," you know, <laughs> even though he slipped up and called her Mike a bunch of times, Michael, <laughs> Michael Obama. Have we seen yeah. any sort of old photos of Michelle Obama? Before, they, 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 there's no photos of her ever being pregnant. Okay. They don't exist. They don't exist. Mm. Okay. And you think someone as high profile as they were in Chicago that you would see like at least one photo of them out and she's pregnant? Nope. <laughs> and and how many? And then here's yeah. the other thing you can tell that 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 might not that basically they took like their DNA and put those kids into a tube and bred them is that one of the daughters I forget which one it is Malia or Sabrina or whatever the fuck their names are um, one of them went off and did coke and had sex with Hunter Biden and you don't have Obama being like I'm gonna whoop that boy's ass. You know, because that's mm. what a real father would do. But yeah, no, no, he does nothing. Hunter Biden can have do whatever he wants with his daughter. He doesn't give a fuck. Jeez. 
So that's how you can tell. Bad choice in men, that's for damn sure. Well, I mean, she's got two dads, so she's going to be fucked up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything about the Democrats is a lie. Mm. Like, Joe Biden has has no cognitive issues. It's a big lie. You know, everything is a lie. The Clintons never had anybody killed. It was all just a coincidence that everybody that had dirt on them committed suicide or had an accident. It's it's a coincidence, guys. You know, it's a coincidence that Seth Rich was just walking down the street. Someone went right up behind him, shot him in the head and didn't take anything off of him, like a phone or money or (laughs) anything like that. It's a coincidence. I I saw a story a number of years back, a video where um someone said basically the same thing about Seth Rich and some left or something. And goes, oh, you gotta bring up the Seth Rich. You just can't help yourself, can you? I thought, well, <laughs> if you're gonna bring it up, you gotta bring it up. But uh, yeah, because yeah. because here's the thing. It's like you know they the 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 Clintons are are either serial killers or they're the luckiest people who ever lived. Well, I can it's, I can bring this back to the the MM, the MMC themes for cult movies with the Clintons and Arkin sighting is I was watching that um, you remember the the original Gone with sixty seconds with H B Halicky I think that was his Halicky name. Yeah. yeah 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 okay I watched one of his movies I think it was the Junk Man. And there was this big-breasted, you know, starlet in the film who was really good-looking. Mm. I said, huh, how come I've never seen her in anything? And so I looked her up, and she was like a penthouse pet or something. And and it said she was the wife of some businessman in Arkansas who was friends with the Clintons, died mysteriously in a fire. <laughs> with, with oh, their my mansion. goodness. It was like, good Lord. It was, it was like, you can't avoid this stuff. Yep. Six degrees of Arkansiding. It was crazy. And Jesus. and and every Democrat will call us crazy. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, oh, please, you're a fool. It's just a mere coincidence. I have never known anybody uh, to have that many connections to suicides, mysterious deaths, murders, fire, you know, everything. Yet they believe every fucking conspiracy theory about Donald Trump. Right. That always turns out to be fake. Daddy was a Klansman. He said on Oprah, Republicans are idiots, and he'd run as a Republican, which a statement which makes no sense at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, oh, he, I'm I'm going to run as a Republican because they're all morons and they'll vote for me. Who the hell says anything like that? Even the worst politicians can't say stuff like that. You know? Yeah, and then like uh, that he pissed on a mattress. He had oh my god, the Russia game. Yeah, it's all bullshit. Anybody with half an ounce of intelligence would know that's all bullshit. Yeah. Cause it doesn't even make any sense. Yeah. It doesn't make any, like the most pro American person for like the last 40 years is actually a, a, a Russian double spy ooh, or a Russian <laughs> double agent. Ooh. It's like, please. Yeah. yeah well, so that, that Putin invades Ukraine after Donald Trump is, is not president anymore. That's proof that they're friends. It's like, well, wouldn't he have invaded Ukraine when Trump was around and in charge exactly. of their pals? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Makes it's, no it's, sense whatsoever. Yeah. It's, it's, I tell you, Democrats are the stupidest motherfuckers. And I know some of the Democrats are, are 
our listeners of this podcast. And I just want to say to them, because I don't want them to feel left out, just smarten up, guys. That's it. That's it. Just smarten up. Yeah. Look, look, I will say this as well. I'm not trying to, you know, defend anybody, but I'm saying it now. Okay. There's a lot of, a lot of people on the left who are, you know, misguided, let's say much. They haven't realized. But there's some there. I mean, I got a, I got a, a few mates at work who are very, very hard left. And even they've said they've, they've gone to shit. They don't know what the fuck they're doing. They're ruining everything. I said, well, you know, <laughs> people vote for them. But th- now I'm going to say this is not going to be a very, very popular take. There's a lot of fucking idiots on the right, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah a plenty. lot. And I'll yeah, call they're... those fuckers out more than I will the left because mm. they should know better. Yeah, I mean, we have one over here who's running for president, even though there's no chance she'll ever get it, Nikki Haley. Yeah. Yeah, Did you on SNL yesterday? Yeah, I heard. Uh. Oh, did you hear? They're getting Shane Gillis to actually host Saturday Night Live. What? Yeah, Shane Gillis, is, and now I'm going to have to watch. Yeah, I may have to tune in for that. I I think it's like February 24th. (laughs) Best friends with Sam Hyde. (laughs) <laughs> fired that <from laughs> live for being like a Republican. <laughs> and now he's going to be hosting the show. God damn. I have to watch that. Yeah. No, but there is a lot of dickheads on the right as well. Just yep. when I see that, look, Mitch McConnell, Lindsey Graham, I'm not talking about politicians. Even I'm just talking oh. about just gen- gen- the general public. There's a lot of fucking idiots there as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're on both sides. So I'm not trying to, uh, play devil's advocate and just say, oh, but there are a lot that I've seen where I thought, I don't want nothing to do with you. You're a dickhead. Just- well, if it makes any of our Democrat listeners who are still listening to us right now uh, happy, I will say that John Fetterman is currently my favorite senator in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, he, he like he's like done like a, uh, a like a like a like a heel turn on the Democrat. <laughs> I know, it's weird. It's like, <laughs> but he's just representing his constituents. He's just yeah. doing the will of the people, which is what those guys need to do. And it's like, if Democrats were like him, God, they, they'd be absolutely unbeatable and nobody would question it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, 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 and they should be happy with someone like him because, you know, it actually will bring in more independent voters to that side than the crazies like Nancy Pelosi and the Maxine Waters and the, the squad, you know, I mean, they're yeah. all those people are terribly unlikable. Fetterman's great. I mean, he looks yeah. like Igor and he dresses like a slob. Uh, he dresses like me when I have the flu, but uh, he dresses like yeah, or he dresses like how Kevin Smith dresses all the time. Yes, he, he dresses like Kevin Smith, but he's been awesome. He's been mm-hmm. just totally in the right most of the time. It's it's weird. Have you guys seen Kevin Smith? Like, oh, you've seen Kevin Smith lately. That what that guy's heading for. <laughs> he is heading for fucking death's door. I tell you, yeah. he looks so bad. If I ever see him, I'm just going to force feed him a, a, a pizza, uh, like a, a ham cheeseburger. I'm just going to be like, here, you got to eat this. Yeah, he's just, um, okay, like I said before, I'm glad the guy's lost weight because, you know, everyone should be in at least relatively good shape and look after their health. But yeah, he's gone from one extreme being heavily overweight to heavily underweight. He, I mean, he's he hasn't found that middle ground. He just, he does not look good at all. Nope. And he just has that very, he has that turkey neck as well that a lot of vegans get. And uh, I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, Stu, you did vegan. Yeah, I did it for nearly two years. It damn near fucking killed me. I would not recommend it to anybody. Don't ever do it, people. It's 
the worst thing you could ever do. I'm actually gone the other way now. I've actually done carnival. I'm on the carnival diet now, so I've gone from one extreme to the other. That's just me. <laughs> I did. I did carnivore. Uh, uh, I think it was last year or the year before. Well, I, I went go? on keto about a year ago and got gout, so I had to stop. And then a year before, or the summer before, I tried carnivore, and huh. about three weeks into it, I was doing okay. I was probably sleeping too much because you have like no. Carb like, depletion, yeah. It's yeah, you have no evening yeah. energy. You, you're okay in the morning and the afternoon, but you have no evening energy. You just want to watch TV and go to bed. Yeah. Go to bed. Yep. And, um, but about three weeks into it, I started to get this weird itchy rash on my arm. And I was like, oh, my fucking fle- God. Are you serious? Yeah. And I was like, do we have fleas in this house or something? What the hell's going on? And then I fucking I've got it now, John, I swear on my right wrist. Oh, oh my God. Well, I looked it up because like. Well, like my family was laughing at me and I was like, do we have, do we have fleas in this house? It was bad. And, um, and I was, and then I looked it up. It's called keto rash. Okay. Yeah. I've heard, I've heard that. Yeah. I've and that. and yeah. I was like, this is insane. It's like, I never get rashes. I never have itchy skin. What the hell? And I started like, I started like eating a donut or something. I think I went and bought a bunch of car- heavy carb food and I just went nuts. Cause I was like, this ain't real, you know? And it's just like, um, so it didn't work for me cause I got the keto rash and I don't know how many people get it. Obviously you, you probably got something close to it right I've, now. I've got, I don't know. Look, but again, mine could be a mosquito bite cause we're in the middle of a frigging heat wave at the moment. So it could be yeah. that. It's, it's not like an actual rash, but I've I've been on this now two and a half weeks, coming up mm-hmm. to three weeks, and I'm telling you now, I don't know what the symptoms were when you first started, but from what I have been watching, I've been watching a lot of videos before I even started, it was mm-hmm. uh, the first few days, you are carb depleted and you are lethargic as shit, which is what I copped. I mean, that, man, that third day, I was, a, I was in the fetal position on the couch. I couldn't fucking move. I was just... You know, thank God for the remote control. I couldn't even get up to put a film on. I just had to stream stuff on the TV. Oh, you had the flu day that comes with people who do the Atkins diet. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So I had that for about about three days. I had the, the third day of doing a carnival was actually the most was the worst, and then it got better and, and a lot easier. I don't have that now. I don't have that lethargy. But number two, and appropriately, it's called number two. The one thing you're going to get, and if you're People, if you're eating now, stop eating. Oh, wait. Right. You get the runs. Hard. I mean, the toilet is your friend when you're starting out the carnival diet because, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, there's a video of Joe Rogan talking about that. Like, yeah. He was just like constantly on the, on, on the run to the, to the bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. I was, th- thankfully mine at the time I was copying was on my, uh, five day break off of work. We had a I had a five day period off, and luckily I was home for that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it's uh, but I'm finding it now. I've lost weight. I mean, I was starting this at ninety five and a half kilos, which is uh, I don't know, I think about two hundred and. Let's mm, look it up. In America, we only um. You use the pounds, and I'm just you, I'm trying. Yeah, to we only use kilos when we're talking about cocaine. Yeah, I know that. Yeah. Cocaine and Bruce Lee's cocaine uh, selling business. All right, 210 is what I started on, 210 okay. pounds. I'm now down to, uh, where are we here? 194. <coughs> so, what, 15? 
Yeah, so if you lost, you've basically lost your water weight. You're basically yeah. And my, my my stomach is flattened down a shit ton. I thought, what the fuck? Yeah. Just looked. I've gone. Okay, it's not yeah rock hard abs, but it's um you know very strange bedfellow. It's very funny, Gara. Um, <laughs> <laughs> your obsession with Paul Hogan is unhealthy. You got more of an obsession <laughs> there than anybody else has over here with that man at all. I just saw that. I didn't even know that movie existed, so I thought you'd, oh, you'd God, no, be that, interested. Geez. Yeah, but I um, we'll talk about your Paul Hogan in a minute, Gary. Don't worry. But um, I my my stomach just flattened down. I thought, what the fuck? This t-shirt, I couldn't wear it three weeks ago, but now it's fitting, you know, just nicely. So I'm going to stick at it for about at least going to do three months of it and see how I go. But um, it ain't easy. It's um very, very, very restrictive. But, um, yeah, that's that. But, what do you want to know about Paul Hogan, Gary? What is that movie about? I don't know. I haven't watched it. You, you've it watched was... every single Paul Hogan movie. Stop lying. Okay. I'll tell you the ones I've seen. Okay. Uh, I've seen, unfortunately, Crocodile Dundee 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. Three I saw at the theaters with my friends and my brother. Uh, I saw Almost an Angel, which was mm-hmm. terrible. I Fantastic. saw Lightning, Light, yeah, okay, Lightning <laughs> Jack. I saw at the drive-in, <laughs> and it was all right. It was okay. It was, but it was. I heard it's I, the best western ever made. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I'm not buying into your trolling, so don't bother. <laughs> uh, Flipper, I watched. Fuck, I've seen more than I should have done. This, this is, I've got to shut up because this is not good. I've seen way more than I should have done. I saw Flipper. That was terrible. Um, and that was the last one. Oh, I watched a bit of The Fabulous Mr. Dundee. I thought, no, nope, stop it. Otherwise, I'm going to be watching all this and I shouldn't be doing that. It was not good. That's it. But Strange Bedfellows, I haven't seen. And there's a couple of the beast films I don't think I'm bothered with. I thought no. the Mr. Dundee one was okay. I, I did watch that one. I thought it was all right. But it's from an American point of view. It seems okay. It's it's just weird to see Chevy Chase in the film with him. Mm. Which he may have only done because he wanted to do, he wanted to work with Paul Hogan. I heard like he only did that, uh, that uh, Burt Reynolds movie just because he wanted to work with Burt Reynolds because he never had. Which Burt Reynolds was it? Uh, the last movie star, I want to say. The last movie star, okay. Yeah. Uh, the, the Burt Reynolds is not my thing. Right. <laughs> I just don't get the appeal of that man at all. Well, you weren't an American in the uh, 70s and 80s, so. I wasn't American at all. <laughs> You're right. So, an, if, you were, if you were living in America in the 70s and the 80s, and you didn't live in, um, you know, uh, New York or... LA, you got Burt Reynolds, I guess. Although I've met a lot of New Yorkers who love Burt Reynolds movies, so. Is Burt Reynolds the American equivalent to Paul Hogan in Australia and vice versa? No, far bigger than that. Well, Paul Hogan's bigger? He was, man, the guy was big here, I'm telling you now. Well, I know, but it's like Paul Hogan was like the TV star who became a big movie star or he was a big TV sketch comedy star. And yeah, Bert started really, he started out on TV, but he wasn't a huge star on TV. 
but he it took him a long time to actually break out in movies. He was making movies for like six or seven years before he had a hit, I believe. What was his first hit? Um, I think Seamus did really well. And, um, of oh, course, Deliverance, Deliverance, Deliverance yeah, yeah. was a smash, and that was him in a supporting role in, um, you know, a big drama, like an Oscar-worthy drama. What's the first big Burt film that was, you know, seen as a Burt film? Like an obscene smash hit? That was probably Smoking mm. the Bandit. Smoking the Bandit, right, which I've yeah, never, uh, seen, although, never seen. Um, the Longest Yard was a really big hit, and that is one of his best movies, but it's not considered his breakout film, but it did really well. Which, funnily enough, was known over here as Meme Machine. Yeah, yeah, Meme Machine. Was re- it was a good title was, for it. And then it was actually remade, The Longest Yard. There was also a remake of Meme Machine, which was The Longest Yard, which yeah, was a British one. one. The, the, yeah, Vinnie Jones, right? Vinnie Jones, yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it hit our video stores. It didn't play theaters, but it did get our video stores. Wasn't a bad film, actually. I'm not the biggest fan of Vinnie Jones, but it was okay. It was fine. Well, The Longest nah. Yard is a terrific movie. Like it's, it's I, I do, yeah, I have seen it. I, I actually did like it. It's one of the few yeah. Burt ones I did like. Oh, and the end. I've always said I did like the end quite a bit. Right. Yeah. Well, be your favorite Burt film, Garo? My favorite Burt film? Probably Cannonball Run, because I always wanted to see uh, Burt, Jackie Chan team up. <laughs> yeah. And Michael Hoy. Yeah. Well, that's true, yeah. Yeah. Well, they were supposed just, to, Jackie and Bert were supposed to do a movie in like the late 80s uh, called Pals or something like that. Or And uh, I think J- they were supposed to play rival spies who teamed up to take on a bad guy or something. And it was supposed to be where Bert directed the, the movie, but Jackie directed the action scenes. And Jackie was trying to get Bert to do it. And Bert really didn't care. So he did garbage like Malone and Rent-A-Cop, and then when Jackie hit it big with, like, Rubble in the Bronx and was suddenly a, an international star again, uh, Bert called up Jackie and wanted to do that movie, and Jackie's like, well, it's too late. <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of like, kind of the arrogance could cost you, because Bert would have been better off doing that movie with Jackie Chan in 87 or 88, whenever they were planning on doing it. What about Cop and a Half? The movie? Uh, I've never seen it. That's a uh, Hunter favorite. Yeah, yeah, Hunter. <laughs> is it? <laughs> yeah. That was I never saw Will that. Yeah, no, I remember right. when it came out, and I'm like, I'm not seeing that shit. <laughs> you know, not a fan of uh, Manuel Lewis. It, it wasn't a Manuel Lewis. It was some other little black kid. Was yeah, it? it was like a lookalike? Yeah. Shit, always thought that was a Manuel Lewis. No. no. Oh, I've got to, speaking of, speaking of lookalikes, I've got to bring this up. I was watching a little bit of a film called Bella Lugosi Meets a Brooklyn Gorilla. You, you oh, you're talking it? about the, uh, the, the Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin Semi Petrillo. Yeah. Holy, I mean, there's lookalikes and the imposters, and there's this guy. He's fucking something else. Semi Petrillo, I think his name is. I had I'd never heard of him. And mm-hmm. I put this on and go, the fuck, Jerry Lewis? What's he doing in this? I had no idea. He would have been, 1952, he would have been fucking the biggest drawer in the world with Dean Martin at the time, or one of them, you know, around that time. Yeah. Doing this little film, I go, what's his name? I go, Sammy Petrillo. I go, no, it can't be a lookalike. I looked it up, and yeah, sure enough, it was. That blew my fucking mind. I had no idea about this guy at all. 
I, I saw it recently as well and was stunned that, and I looked up that guy and it, I think the, the rumor was Jerry put a cap on the guy's career and just mm-hmm. had him locked into like a contract or something. And the guy could, couldn't work anywhere or do movies, but was still paid or something like that. Uh, him and Dean Martin said, this guy is a danger. He's a threat to our team. Apparently. Of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the name apparently according to one of, uh, uh, <laughs> Jerry, I think Jerry's daughter, I think it was, said that um, one of Jerry's kids, not not those Jerry's kids, but Jerry's actual kids, his actual said, offspring. Um, his actual offspring, yeah, said um, the name of uh, Sammy Petrillo was mm, forbidden. You don't mention it, and yeah, I think putting the kibosh in this guy's career, it doesn't surprise me that uh, Jerry Lewis did that because I mean, you you're getting a cheap Jerry Lewis. By saying, "Hey, we got a Jerry Lewis without Jerry Lewis." Yeah, and if you if you w- ever watch the Jerry Lewis appearances on the talk shows in the seventies, like Donahue, mm. Jerry looks like a big mobster. He was a big I mean, guy. Apparently, I had no idea he was, he was huge. He was. And he would shrink himself down, you know, kind of hunch down when he did the Dean Martin movies, so Dean would be taller. Yes, and he could be the funny guy. But like, I watched him on Letterman. And he wasn't even funny. He was just like, he looked like a big mobster talking to David Letterman. When he plays that mobster in uh, The Family Jewels, man, he plays that so well. He's, he's um, it's probably one of the best characters he's done in that film where he plays all the different roles of, uh, you know, the, uh, the crazy uncle and the, um, and the, um, uh, not the bodyguard, the um, uh, guardian of that young girl. And he plays the mobster as well as one of the uncles. And, Man, I tell you what, he nailed it to a T in that position, in that part. Yeah, I don't think it's acting. <laughs> no, probably not. Probably I think he not. was a real made Jewish mobster, you know, who just happened to be a huge star in Hollywood. Is he a yeah. high-ranking Freemason like Vince McMahon is? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited because we're about, about, uh, about to be able to see uh, The Day of the Clown Cry. I knew you were going to bring this point. up. I knew it. I said, uh, Jerry Lewis, Gary's going to bring up the pet, the data clown Christ. It's getting closer. You know, he said, I think it was this year. He said that it could finally be seen. We'll he never was like see in it. his will. Yeah. yeah I right. hope they do like a fat. I hope they do like a fathom. They're event. doing a screening. Cause Lorez is uh, going to, to the screening, like in mm-hmm. like uh, Baltimore or DC. Yeah, or something like, like that. Yeah. It's actually getting screened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not. I, I just thought it was a, you know, <laughs> a pipe dream. Now it's going to come out in twenty twenty four, and it's never going to come out. But okay. Yeah, Lorez says he's getting a ticket to go see it. I still don't. He, okay, so he hasn't got a ticket. I don't think it's coming out. I think they're going to put the kibosh on it. It's going to. Well, they actually announced a screening, and I'm not saying he's going to take Hans with him, but you know. <laughs> I don't think nobody's going to it. I don't think he's going to play at all. It'll just something will come up and we'll just sit back in the in the Lewis Estates vault. They'll stick it back in the vault. This will be. Will this be like uh, Corey Feldman and naming his abusers? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, no, because he actually gave a copy of it to whatever, like the, some film uh, uh, place, and said you can't show the movie until 2024 so it's not so there's people who have the film that are outside of the jerry lewis estate okay all right all right so there's another one floating around besides the master okay didn't yeah. know that 
So right. it, uh, he donated a copy on and August 5th, 2015, the Los Angeles Times reported that Jerry Lewis had donated a copy of the film to the Library of Congress with the stipulation that it not be screened before June 2024. The Library of Congress intends to eventually screen it at their audiovisual conservative campus in Culpeper, Virginia. Rob Stone, curator of the Library of Congress, has stated there will be, there, they will not be able to loan the film to other theaters or museums without permission from the Lewis estate. Stone has also stated that they do not intend to release the film on any form of home media. Okay, so it's not going to get a home video release at all? No. Wow, okay. So there's going to be only a select few. Gonna get, wow, that's going to be a fucking lottery. So, so in other words, it's going to be like um, that episode of uh, Turn On, that TV show that was a not, it was like a, a more adult version of Laugh-In that only had one broadcast in 1969 and then it was never seen again, but you can go view it at like the Museum of uh, Television or whatever in LA or, or it's the Library of Congress. It's like that missing episode of Hawaii Five-O, Bored She Hung Herself, where it was screened yeah. once. And that's it, never coming back. Well, you know, supposedly the 16 millimeters of it around that were shown in a Hawaii Five-O convention, or, but Dude. that's pretty much lost, you know? Yeah. If it's that yeah. hard to see, um, I was trying to think of another one. Um, I, I don't know if I've asked you about this before, Stu, but I'd always heard, okay, David Brenner had said mm-hmm. he made a sitcom called Snip, and it was supposed to be this big deal on um, ABC, mm-hmm. and, or NBC, and they were going to air it, and it was announced in the TV Guide, and Johnny Carson was praising it and had David Brenner on and everything, and then they pulled it because one of the characters was openly gay, but they sent all the episodes to Australia and the Australian network aired it, and it was a huge hit, and the TV station called ABC and said, we need more episodes of SNP. It's like the biggest hit ever in Australia. And they said, well, we didn't we didn't make any more. Okay, that's... Um, uh, it was like a version... Least. People said it was like a sitcom version of Shampoo. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I'm just a hairdresser, yeah. and Leslie... I think it's Leslie Ann Warren was his ex-wife or something i'm looking at it here to see if it's gotten a tv uh, a dvd release at all because you know we oh i doubt that but probably doubt it i mean there is um you know umbrella do release those sorts of things at times you know here and there um yeah yeah, boy i'd be lying if i said i remember it because it's what 1976 so we probably got about a couple of years later Right. Uh, maybe seventy-seven. We got. I would have been too young in seventy-seven to remember it. But I mean, I mean, it's possible. You know, it's it's definitely possible. We uh, we tend to get things, you know, that the American audiences don't get, mm-hmm. and they just they just send it over here and just try and make a few bucks off it. And Australian TV plays it, and it may rerun. It may never air again. I don't know. Right. Um, there's some Australian shows here as well. I remember one called Bobby Dozloff from the 70s, uh, starring a very famous singer then, or even now, John Farnham, who um, the show's gone. I don't know mm. where the hell it is. And, I mean, you think, especially um, on the health issues that uh, John Farnham had back uh, what, a year or two ago, that they would maybe rescreen it. Nope. One season of the show. I'm looking up here, 1977. Uh, uh, 14 episodes. Uh, same with the Elven Purple TV series. I have the episodes because it re-ran here on cable back in about 95. And that's it. Gone. 
Wow. What about the right. Boney TV show with, um, I, I, I guess it was a, like apparently a white actor playing the half um, Abo detective character from the, from the novels. Boney. It's like Inspect- Inspector Bonaparte, Inspector Boney. It's, that, it's actually that show, I guess it played in West Germany on TV, and that's where Frankie Farian got the name for Boney M. Okay, yeah, I'm looking up here. Boney TV, strange TV series between 71 and 72. Mm-hmm. Detective Inspector Napoleon Bonaparte. Okay, so 26 episodes, two seasons. Yeah, boy. Um, oh, well, Bruce Spence in one episode. There you go. Um, <laughs> and David Goldblum as well. Uh, Honor Blackman. Okay, well... Got a half decent cast from what I can see here. Uh, Roger yeah. Ward. Yeah. Um. Uh. No idea, and I don't think it's been released. Right. Because I at least would have looked at it and said, "What is this?" But um. Yeah. Um. No, everything I'm getting up out for that is Boney M. Yeah. No. No, I don't know it. But, um. Yeah. All this lost media out there. I mean. Some was lost for a reason because it's just terrible. Yeah. Oh, the one. Oh, geez. Um, I, I need to ask you boys this before we wrap it up because we're you know, hitting on the two hour mark. Yeah. Um, have you boys seen the episode? It's one episode made. I don't know if it's a spoof or it was actually meant to be a sitcom that got canned and ne- never got made called Hal Honey, I'm Home. Hi, wait, Hal Honey, I'm Home? I, hey. I, hold on. How, you mean the, the Hitler one, right? Yes, yes. Hold on, hold on one second, guys. One, it was on YouTube for a while. It's yes. On yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah, I have my watch later to watch it. Of course you do. Yeah. <laughs> but was that actually a spoof? They sort of um, you know, uh, made it out to be like, oh, is this lost episode that was never picked up? Or was it really meant to be for a sitcom about Hitler and Eva Braun? It was probably meant to be a real sitcom, you know, That's and then, wild. Yeah. but you know, but you know what the biggest piece of lost media is? That is my Holy grail. No. What's that? Smokey is the bandit. Oh yeah. Is that not available? No, never. it's never been seen. What is it? John, you tell him. Okay. When they were making Smokey and the bandit three, they uh, knew they weren't going to get Burt Reynolds back because he was the biggest movie star and didn't want to do a, a, another Smokey and the Bandit movie. Right. So they um, they came up with an idea that Jackie Gleason would play both roles. He would play uh, the sheriff and he would play the bandit. And apparently they shot the entire film with Jackie playing both roles. They mm-hmm. uh, And Colleen Camp is the girl instead of Sally Field. And um, they previewed it for audiences, and audiences did not the, – the preview audience didn't understand it. You know, they did the test marketing or the test screenings, and the audience was completely confused. And um, because, you know, they're looking at Sheriff the Sheriff uh, Smokey, and then they're seeing the um, – they're seeing uh, Jackie apparently playing the bandit. And there's some stills online of Gleason playing the bandit, wearing the, you know, the Burt Reynolds wardrobe – and um, there is a trailer, Garrow just linked it in Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, where Jackie Gleason is uh, comes out like Patton and said he's going after her. And it says Smokey is the bandit. Well, they decided that wasn't going to work or they chickened out. And um, 
decided to reshoot that half of the film with the bandit scenes with Jerry Reed in the role. So that's the only version that currently exists. It was called Smokey and the Bandit 3 instead of Smokey is the Bandit. But that Smokey is the Bandit version has never been seen outside of those test screenings. And people really want them to release it on disc because it would have to be more interesting than the version that came out. Okay. And you know, it's funny. It's like, because they, they released that trailer into theaters. And yeah, I, think, you know, I saw I, it. Yeah, I can think there's only like two trailers where they release the trailer and then the movies came out and they're totally different from what they promised. It's the Smokey is the Bandit trailer and the Alien 3 teaser trailer. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, did they really? They were. It's like they were selling movies that we didn't get, and they were probably better movies. Yeah, they had to be. Yeah. Well, Alien Three is a different movie altogether from the original one, isn't it? From the um, isn't there two versions of Alien Three on the box set? No. No, no, no. no. What the movie they were originally going to make for Alien Three was the aliens come to Earth because it the, the, the it said when you saw the trailer it was like the, an alien egg starting to open and you hear a voiceover in space. Yeah. No one can hear you scream. Yeah, yeah. But on Earth, everyone can hear you scream. And then okay. Alien Three would come up, and then the movie comes out and nowhere near on Earth. Yeah, I just don't like those films, Alien. I, I don't get it. I love the first two, and then that's it. There's the rest of them can they can burn the negatives. I don't care. Mm. I mean, the first one to me was boring as hell. Second one had a lot of action. I'll give you that much, but man, it was just. I just I think I don't like films set in space. Mm-hmm. I don't like creatures coming out of the water. And I don't like films set in space. Yeah, I was about to say that the yeah. second one definitely has that problem for you. With What's queen that? monster coming out of the water. Yeah, well, that can fuck itself. I just, I know. Never. Never. That's why I can't watch the, um, those Godzilla movies. Those, what do they call them? Uh, oh, he would hate that sequence in Godzilla Minus One. Yeah, yeah the best scene in the movie is the yeah, water not watching chase. It. It's not great. Watching it. Not watching it. <laughs> not watching it. It was genuinely suspenseful. It was fantastic. and It was like it was like a, a Jaws, but with Godzilla. Yeah, my my, my fucking fantastic. blood now is cold. Just being just hearing it. Uh, yeah, this might turn your hair white, Stu. So don't don't see it. It's already yeah, probably make it all fall out. It's already <laughs> fucking white. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I'll never, never forget Clash of the Titans. Just when yeah. I watch when I watch the game. I'm, I mean, when I watch as a kid. It fucked me up the driving to seeing that on a massive screen. But when I watch the game. I want to say probably about ten years back, or maybe eight, seven or eight years back. I put it on. I thought, yeah, don't you send me no videos of people coming out of the water, Gary? I'm not watching it. No, I didn't send you a, a oh, video. Oh. <laughs> um, when I watched Clash of the Titans, the <laughs> pictures ruined me. <laughs> there goes my dinner. Oh. Yeah, that right. That should be the photo you use for the, this episode. Actually, I think I might do that. I'll just put a black, I'll put a black strip over the eyes just to, to sort of safeguard ourselves. Uh-huh. But when I watched Clash of the Titans um, about eight years back, <laughs> um, I put it on thinking, oh, that scene with the Kraken is way later in film. Nope, it's in the first ten minutes. I thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> Turn it off. <laughs> nope. 
Never again. Never, never to be watched again. And I don't care. Anyway, I think we'll wrap this up. We're now hitting on two hours, and uh, we've uh, sort of reached our limit, I think. <laughs> and there's no <laughs> listeners left by now. So Yeah, they're all <laughs> Democrats. Is that an AI-generated? It is, isn't it? Yeah, all, yeah, all, yeah. All we've got now are, like, the, the ex-Navy SEALs living out in the cabin in the woods. So <laughs> Probably. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Gary, I think you come on at the very, very last minute. No problem. Yeah. Thankfully, I don't have a lot to do. Yeah, well, there's no editing. I can't be bothered. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, stick around for the Nez. Uh, we've got his piece all set to go. I'm sure there's a lot of... Uh, I haven't had a chance to edit it yet. He's only just said it yesterday, so I'm sure there's a lot of Rishi Sunak talk in there and uh, other things as well. But, um, anyway, hopefully we'll have Hunter back next week. And what we're going to do... Uh, we don't know. We'll sort something out. So, on that note, I'm going to say, see you later. All right. Peace out. And now... It's time for Rue Britannia with your foreign correspondent, the Nez. That will surprise nobody other than those who think illegal immigrants throwing acid is cultural enrichment. 16 year old teenage darts wonder kid Luke Littler is still in a reign of hockey terror after losing his first World Darts Championship. The adolescent Mozart of the dartboard, having won a check for £250,000 for losing his first darts final against the grown ups. Quote unquote. It's a great feeling, said the teenage terror way taking time out from bringing phone sex lines behind mum's back. I don't know just how many Mars bars, cans of Coke and Paul Mags I can pay for that amount of money, but it will be fun to find out. Find out he will indeed. Last fortnight he lost his second darts final in Holland. Clearly smells like teen spirit. Multiculturalism. And it's cat and mouse on the streets of old London town this week as the Metropolitan Police launched the manhunt for a foreign illegal immigrant who seriously injured 12 people in an acid attack. It wasn't just any old foreign immigrant, though. He was a Muslim illegal immigrant who had his claim for asylum rejected by the government after faking a conversion to Christianity. Now he's also a convicted rapist on a two-year sentence. As you can tell, the type of goal that we need to import more of. Still, it shouldn't be too difficult for John Law to track him down. In the acid attack, half of his face was severely damaged, but some of the acid discharged accidentally hit him. Personally, I've heard of the incredible melting man, but not the incredible melting Muslim illegal immigrant rapist. Alan's Kokbar Abdul. Sport, or perhaps something like it. And BLM supporting, child-saving, knee-bending, tax-dodging, media messiah, and sometimes Manchester United professional footballer Marcus Rashford dropped himself from the black into the brand this week after getting exposed lying to his manager and his club. Still, you know what it's like, going on a 12-hour pub crawl in Belfast, missing the plane back to Manchester the following morning because of a hangover, then phoning in sick and then getting caught by the tabloid press of the past afternoon they before caught you on camera. After all, we've all done it. 
Anyway, after a clear the uh, meeting with his manager, Ericsson Hark, the false prince was handed a £670,000 fine for his latest misdemeanour. There were the other misdemeanours and fines. Begs the question, was he drunk when he kept bending the knee back in 2020? Or was it simply just basically down to cultural issues? You decide. Further notes in passing, hit 90s TV game show Gladiator made a comeback with a new season, but this time at the BBC. As usual, changes apply for cultural sensibilities. No physical contact between contestants, no hurt feelings, no wounds, no accidents, and a special safe zone for contestants should they effectively resent the idea of coming in second. Meanwhile, Britain and the US continue their strikes on Yemen in response to the blocking of international maritime traffic in the Gulf of Aden. Normally we'd bomb them back to the Stone Age, but since the Yemenis are already back in the Stone Age, frankly I guess there's not really all that much to actually bomb. And finally, a 15-year-old boy was arrested by police in Scotland this week after murdering a 58-year-old bus driver. Bit young for that type of thing really in Scotland, although not so much really a case of Scotland the Brave, but more like Scotland the Grave. Pax. Thank you for listening to the Midnight Movie Cowboys. For more information, go to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com. For feedback, comments, or show suggestions, go to midnightmoviecowboys at gmail.com. Like what you hear? Head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Hear us on Stitcher Radio. Head over to stitcher.com and download the app. Want to help the show out? Head on over to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com and hit the PayPal donate. We appreciate all donations of any denomination. Find us on Twitter at MMCowboys. Like us on Facebook. Head over to facebook.com type in Midnight Movie Cowboys. Hit the like button over there. Want to friend us personally on Facebook or follow us on Twitter? Go to www.midnightmoviecowboys.com and find the links from there on the right hand side. Thanks for listening. See you all next week. <laughs>